Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 32 through 40. And Jesus said, I have come to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is complete. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He said this to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it is going to rain. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Listen to what the Spirit is saying to God's people. You may be seated. I love it when Jesus does weird things. Like, it's relatable to me. I mean, I do some weird things, and most of my friends and family do weird things, so I just think it's delightful that Jesus also does weird things. Like, one of my favorite stories is the Syrophoenician woman in the Gospel of Mark. This woman comes to Jesus asking him to heal her daughter, and Jesus is like, can I eat first? Like, it's in Mark um, 7. Jesus gets hangry. And I just find that delightfully relatable. And then in all the Gospels, we get some version of that epic scene where Jesus cleanses the temple. Like he's flipping tables and calling out corruption. In one of the versions, he gets a whip. It's like the best part of Jesus Christ Superstar. And like sometimes I want to flip tables because I hate corruption. Like I'm here for the revolution, so let's do it, Jesus. But here in this text, I think Jesus goes too far. I came to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Do you think that I've come to bring peace? No, I've come to bring division. Families will be divided you hypocrites. And I don't really know what to do with this, because Jesus like, goes from being the fun rebel Holden Caulfield kind of rebellion to like apocalyptic anarchy. And it's scary. And yet I think it might be relatable to a lot of people. So let me tell you a story. I grew up in a non-denominational church. Uh, the church started back in the early 2000s uh, when Nadia Boltzweber was planting her church in Denver and Rob Bell was making his NUMA videos and like the uh, emerging church fever was just sweeping the Protestant world. And my family got involved in planting one of those churches. And it was a great group and a wonderful group of people. We talked about justice issues. We talked about racism. We talked about poverty. We did what a lot of liberal churches do, and we talked a lot. And I literally grew up there, from confirmation to youth group, mission trips, lock-ins, retreats, the works. And they were like family to me. And when I told the congregation I was called to ministry and wanted to go to seminary, they were wonderfully supportive. They gave me a scholarship. They put me on the preaching schedule. They had me leading midweek Bible studies. And then I came out as gay. And when I started seminary, I didn't think it mattered. I was out to my parents, and they were completely affirming of me. I was out to my friends, and they were like, duh. I had just never come out at church because I didn't really think it mattered. I wasn't dating anyone. It didn't feel relevant until it was. 
until I realized there are a lot of queer Christians that don't have wonderfully supportive parents or a supportive brother or supportive friends. And a lot of queer Christians feel they have to pick between being out and being Christian. So I felt called to be out as a gay pastor. And like I said, I literally grew up in the church. But when I came out, there were some supportive people. And there continue to be. But there were others who told me things like, well, there's no good news in this. How could you do this to us? You'll ruin your career if anyone finds out. I lost my scholarship, and I lost a lot of people who had been like family to me. And I was confused because I was like, God, you've clearly called me for ministry, and I'm clearly gay, and I'm like feeling this calling to merge this experience as a gay man for your glory. So why is this so hard? And in those moments, I heard this voice of Jesus. I heard this maniacal voice going, oh, you thought this would be easy? You thought this kingdom of God stuff was simple? Like, no, this is hard. There will be fire. There will be division. You will lose people that were like family to you. And I don't think I'm alone in hearing this voice. I think a lot of marginalized people know this is true. A lot of queer people who come out face fire, division, and loss of family. A lot of people in anti-racist work experience fire, division, and loss of family. A lot of people working for housing equality experience fire, division, and loss of family. And a lot of refugees fleeing violence know that immigration is a process fraught with fire, division, and loss of family. I mean, have you ever had like a large family gathering, uh, maybe Christmas or Thanksgiving, and you have to remind yourself or your spouse, let's not talk politics this time. When we do that, we're trying to avoid this fire, division, and loss of family. But the world is not so simple. And having honest conversations, living in reality, and being authentic, working for peace and justice, all of it leads through fire, division, and loss of family. And I think that's why Jesus calls us hypocrites. He's like, you all love this justice work when it's about marches and speeches and photos and food drives. But what about when it's about reparations or literally forgiving debts? What about when it's changing our language to be more inclusive or rethinking how we understand the human body? What about when the protest turns violent? What about when we have to admit that we were wrong? Like, love thy neighbor is all well and good until it's hard. It's fun to think that the problems are hypothetical. Like, we want to run away uh, when we have to talk these problems with our family. But if the problem's with those people, we can handle that. <sighs> Peace on earth sounds great until it's hard. And I don't like the fact that Jesus gets mad at me because I'm a people pleaser at heart. But then I have to step back and I have to ask myself, what is God's dream for the world? And over and over again, God tells us that the dream for the world is love. The dream for the world is justice, and the dream for the world is peace. So I have to ask myself, what makes God angry? And hypocrisy makes God angry. Injustice makes God angry. Corruption makes God angry. And abusing the poor certainly makes God angry. And all of these things seem like good things to get angry about. I mean, in reality, God's apathy should scare us more than God's anger. You get angry when you want things to be better. If Jesus was like, eh, this is good enough, that would be scary. But instead, Jesus calls out the things that make God angry. Hypocrisy, injustice, 
corruption, abuse of the poor. And I have to admit, I know I'm guilty of some of these things. Like, I don't want people to judge me for my political views, but I can sit online and judge those people over there for their political views all day long. And I know that I've benefited from systems of injustice and corruption that my BIPOC and AAPI siblings have not. And I know that my way of life is built on taking advantage of the poor. Like, most of the clothes I own were made by people that weren't paid a livable wage. So I don't like when Jesus gets angry at me, but maybe I deserve it. But the story doesn't end with God's anger. God hates hypocrisy and injustice, but God is not willing to give up on us. God loves us enough to take on the consequences of our hypocrisy and injustice. In essence, this speech by Jesus, this angry rant, is a prediction of the cross. He says as much when he says, what stress I am under until it is complete. The way of the cross that Jesus describes, this path that Jesus takes, leads through fire, division, and loss of family. But when Jesus faces it, the game changes. Because on the other side of this apocalyptic ending is new life. And that's the gospel. If there is any meaningful change in this life, it comes in this cycle of death and resurrection. If justice, peace, or love are to be found, it's through fire and loss of family, through death and resurrection. I mean, think back to your family gathering. Has there ever been a time when you were confronted with someone in your family or a friend and you had to have one of those hard conversations? Have you ever addressed the fire head on? Have you ever lived that truth that through a hard conversation on the other side of division is something new? When I came out, I lost a lot of people who were like family to me, but the new life I gained is incredible. I moved to Washington. I have a wonderful relationship with my mom who supports me in seminary and everything else I do. I have a wonderful new church at Salt House, and if I'm being honest, I'm starting to feel pretty at home here too. I have a wonderful new boyfriend who has walked on this journey of coming out as queer and as Christian also. And through all of it, God's love for me never changed. So I think there is actually really good news in what Jesus says here. I think the reality is the kingdom of God, love, peace, and justice is hard stuff. But whatever fire, division, or loss that you face, God loves you. And God promises new life on the other side. Amen? Amen.